God's richest grace and peace to you as we listen to God's Word. And today is another in the series series we're calling Saints and Scoundrels. It's also our confirmation Sunday for our junior high students, as I said at the beginning of the service, as they publicly profess their faith in Jesus and their promise to desire to walk with us as St. Matthew Lutheran Church and a body of believers. We've seen people God calls to follow Him really in this sermon are a mixed bag. Sometimes they do the right things. Other times they do the wrong things. And sometimes they purposely do the wrong things. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. They're, as, they're a mixed bag. And as theologians say, we are at the same time sinners and saints. And the purpose of this sermon series is to show that God's grace overcomes all sin. It's not to excuse any sins, but no one is exempt. In fact, we all fall short of the glory of God. We're all in that sinner category. But by the grace of God and the forgiveness given in Jesus Christ, we're in the saint category as well at the same time. And God uses people. God works with people. God calls people to Himself who are sinners and saints for Jesus' sake. That's you and me. Today we're going to look at Daniel, a man in the Bible, and I want you to picture Daniel in his mind. He's one of the brightest and the best of his uh, era. He's a young man. He's a young teenager at the time of Daniel chapter 1, and we know about a fair amount of what his picture was, that his picture was bright. He was quick to understand. He was qualified to serve in the king's palace, which means he had people smarts. He was sensitive, emotionally intelligent. He understood how to relate well with people. And he was devoted to God and God's community. And he would have all of his dreams before him. He was looking forward to going to a good school, having good friends, growing and loving God, someday maybe getting married, someday getting a profession and contributing in an insignificant way for the good of people and help out the world. But none of those dreams exactly happened for Daniel. Listen to Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the vessels of the house of God. And he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his his God, and placed those vessels in the treasury of his God. The heartbreak of all of this was that it was very evident that Daniel's life turned upside down. You see, God had made a promise long ago to Abraham, I'll be your God and you'll be my people and I'll give you this promised land and I'll make you a new people, a kingdom of priests to bless the world. And that promise had been sustained, had sustained the people of Israel through their ups and downs, through their history. And at this point, for about 1,500 years. And it all came to an end. And when Daniel was a young man, a foreign king from a foreign land, Nebuchadnezzar came and with very little effort destroyed all that was left of God's dream. The temple, 
a memory. The sacred contents, the gold that was housed in the temple, all of it was taken to be given, uh, to be stored for worship for a foreign god, an idol in a foreign land. And people were taken. Daniel was taken. 500 miles from home, he lost his culture. Everything he knew that was sacred, everything that was his hope and dream was now changed. He did not live in Judah anymore. He lived in Babylon. His king was not an Israelite, a, a child of God. His king was Nebuchadnezzar, a ruthless terrorist. No family left. He lost his relationships that he had, he had cherished. He would have to speak a foreign language. He would live and die in a place he never wanted to be. He never went home again. And he even loses his name, the name his father and mother had given to him. You see in verse 7 where Daniel and his three friends were given new names, each of them of their old names, their Hebrew names had a, a reference to God. They all ended in El, which is the term for Elohim or God, or Yah, uh, which was the, the name of Yahweh, God. So Hananiah, Azariah, both from Yahweh. The, dame, the name Daniel means the Lord will judge, the Lord will make things right. And you see, from, for all of his lifetime, every time Daniel heard his name, he, it reminded him that God will make things right. God will see that justice is done. And his name had been a very promise when he heard it, and every day. But now, he's not Daniel anymore. And it doesn't seem like the Lord is setting things right anymore. It looked like his whole promise was shattered. We live in our Babylons too. Babylon is where you find yourself when life doesn't turn out the way you intended it to be or you had planned, and you end up in a Babylon. It's where you find yourself when life does not turn out that way. Maybe it happens when, you're rela when a relationship is terminated or a marriage goes south and all of a sudden, the person who said, I do, till death do us part, says, I don't love you anymore. Maybe it happens when a vocational dream dies and a company is bought out and new leaders come that don't see you in the, in the plans anymore. Maybe you realize that a deep prayer you cherish will never be answered the way you want it. Certainly, COVID has altered our lives for the last six months. We're in a place we didn't want to be and we didn't choose. And in a very real sense, we're in a Babylon. Things are forced upon us that we didn't have want. Things are different. And how do we react? At the beginning of his life, Daniel had, had, hadn't lost everything, but in the words, Nebuchadnezzar besieged Jerusalem, everything changed. Yet with God's help and by God's direction, Daniel was able to be resilient. Daniel was able to overcome. And we know some of the stories that were later to come. We understand of his standing alone and being thrown into the fiery furnace with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We understand his... Uh, escapade in the lion's den. 
we see his picture of heaven in the book of Daniel. But all of that happened after what happens in Daniel chapter 1. And here's what I want you to notice. Daniel had a defining moment to honor his deepest values. And really the hinge point in this whole story in the first chapter and in the entire book of Daniel begins right here. Because up to verse 8, it's the Babylonians who are determining everything. They determine what he's going to eat, what he's going to learn, when he's going to wake up, where he's going to go, what he will do with his life. Except verse 8 says he determines what he's going to do. Nebuchadnezzar determined to enroll them in his leadership academy. And then in verse 8, the whole initiative of the story changes. Listen to chapter 1, verse 8, or read it for yourself. It says, But Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore he asked the chief of the eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And that same verb is repeated over and over again in chapter 1 through verse 8, where Nebuchadnezzar determines, or the Babylonians determine, now Daniel determines. Daniel determines in his own spirit, what is he going to do? How is he going to react? Daniel the captive, Daniel the prisoner, makes a personal decision, and the writer uses a very strong word for the quality of that. It could be translated, Daniel resolved in his heart he would honor God. He would not defile himself. He just decides. There's a point for all of us, formally or informally, of that life decision, what we will defile ourselves with, what we won't defile ourselves with. God reminds you and me today, you are a Christian. You are called. You are changed. You are shaped to be like Christ. Not because you always get it right. Not because you're incapable of doing the wrong. But because of God and His grace has called you as His very own and named you in His kingdom. And He calls you and beckons you to come follow Jesus. Paul would write it this way, but you were baptized, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our living God. And the Bible often warns us to be careful on what we, what we entangle ourselves with or get tangled up with. So it's obvious. Some of the things are so obvious that common sense tells us not to do some things. But some things are very subtle and can trip us up and entangle our lives slowly and over time. One of them is simply busyness, overcommitting ourselves to projects and activities that sap us from our, of our spiritual vitality. That's why Ephesians 5 verse 15 says, so watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly. Make sure you understand what the master wants. Don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. Drink the Spirit, huge drafts of Him. What do you need to resolve in your own heart right now? Would you prayerfully do that? Seeking God's help and God's strength? 
I also hope you, you notice that Daniel made a commitment to live in community, in relationship with other people, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were his only contacts at this time. In effect, they were his small groups. And we so strongly encourage you to have a small group of Christian friends to whom you're known and you know others, to whom you do look in the eye, who keep you accountable to some degree. Every once in a while, I read a book about a person who had been a, a captive of some sort against their will. Not long ago, I read the story of James Shackleton, one of the, who lived 2,714 days as a prisoner of war. His, uh, the author writes this, after one beating, Stockdale heard a towel snapping out in a code that the POWs had devised a message he would never forget. It was five letters, G-B-U-J-S. God bless you, James Stockton. Stockton would say that was a, a message he needed to hear at the right time to literally cause him to proceed from life to life or to give up over to death. People today need the code. They need to hear, Jesus blesses you. Jesus loves you. God pays attention to you. That's why Isaiah would say, how beautiful are the feet of those who, on the mountains, of the, are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. In our late service for our confirmands, I'm going to ask our youth leader, Aidan Hunt, to just share in his life how he has come to find that Christian community and Christian friendships are important for him as a young man. I would encourage you to pray that prayer too, to find out where your Christian community is. And certainly we will have small groups and a place in small groups for you prayerfully grow in God's Word. And then I hope you also see that life has meaning and purpose in the eyes of God. There's one character in this whole story that gets kind of almost mentioned, but he's always in the background. You see Daniel, we read of, of his friends, we read of Nebuchadnezzar and of his servants. But we'll kind of do it backwards. Start with verse 17, and you'll see the character who gets named and repeated over and over in chapter 1. Chapter 17 says, To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And then you look up at verse 9, it says, Now God. And then at verse 2, it says, And the Lord. And who's the character that keeps getting mentioned? God that God was in the middle of this mess, of this unexpected time, of this uh, time of upheaval and devastation, really, for the people of God. And God reminds you and me that He's not an absent player. He is a God who cares and moves. He knows what many of the Israelites maybe had forgotten or had pushed aside that God saw, God heard their prayers, and God would answer and God would act in His time and in His way. 
and life was not just a random, meaningless event. God was not asleep. And as it turns out, even Babylon, God had his heart set on. Even a nasty, terrorizing king, Nebuchadnezzar, God loved. One of the verses we ask our students to memorize by heart is from Romans chapter 8. It says, He who searches the hearts and the minds of the Spirit knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. And then verse 28 says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. God works out for the good, all things, doesn't say God causes all things to happen, but He uses the sins and the brokenness of a sinful human people and their free will to work out His good and pleasing and gracious will in the long run. That's why, again, we get encouragement from St. Paul that says, but you, man of God, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. We're followers of Jesus wherever we are. That's what we call our mission statement. We're following Jesus wherever we are, in Grand Rapids or sometimes in our Babylon. We're growing with Christ with our head, with our heart, and with our hands, learning His will, relating to Him in faith, following Him, and then serving our invisible God by serving our visible neighbor. You see, God is up to something. And in Daniel, we see Jesus Himself, Jesus who uh, wasn't forced to leave his home, but willingly left his home in heaven, who mingled, and not just mingled, but loved the world that he came to, a sinful, broken-down, apart-from-God world that he came to redeem. Jesus who gave his life meaning and purpose to redeem people, from their love for sin and to put them right with God, to make them the saints of God, just as He has done for you. You who have been baptized, called by His holy word to be changed and to be shaped more and more like Him. Yes, God is doing something. He resolved in His heart to name you, and He says, resolve in your heart, come follow me. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses human understanding, keep your heart and your mind through faith in Jesus Christ. Amen.